Welcome to another exciting episode of Podcast BC. I'm your host, Blake Fisher, and I'm joined by my other host, Piali Day. Piali, what do we have in store today? Oh, we are so excited to introduce the topic for tonight. So tonight we're going to talk about how to go above and beyond in your product role. You know, so if you are following our channel, you know that we have already talked about how to break into product a little bit from different background. And then from there, we talk a little bit about hiring and some good tips and tricks on tech interviews. And today we have an amazing guest uh, to talk a little bit more about how when once you crack that first role, what you can do to move uh, up the ladder. Pialia, what was it like for you or in your early days and your early roles? Yeah, I, I actually started my tech career at startups um, as an engineering role. So I was a very hardcore software engineer, didn't really know much about product or what product means. But I think the best part of working at a small scale startup is you get to wear, uh, wear many hats uh, on your role. So I did a little bit of this and a little bit of that and accidentally stumbled upon product management. So from there, I completely fell in love with it. And later, um, I took up a role as a customer success manager here in Vancouver and learned a lot about how to work with customers. So with my background in tech and experience with working with customers, I think from there, so my current role now at Microsoft is uh, it's like a hardcore product management role. And yeah, so I think, you know, it was always like having an open mind, being flexible, learn from as many people as you can. I think that's, that would be uh, my key to, uh, you know, go up the ladder. Yeah, cool. Yeah, my own experience was in startups, uh, really wearing a lot of hats. I was mostly in the the marketing and the project management side uh, for my first few roles. I didn't really fully understand the full expanse of what a product role could be until I started working in software agency. And then I was working in, you know, 10 different industries at the same time, trying to manage five different projects, being asked to innovate outside the box from um, a client who may have, you know, been strapped for ideas on what to do next or what features they should explore. And uh, slowly but surely, I started to figure it out. I started to work for bigger companies, started to realize just how complicated the whole industry is. And just, it wasn't just marketing and project. You yeah. basically got to learn a little bit about what everybody is doing and play a good diplomat. So um, yeah. yeah, a real roller coaster in the early career. And it feels like it's calming more as I get older and more senior. Yeah. Roles. <laughs> Whereas at the beginning, it's just drinking from a fire hose. So uh, yeah, um, I think that's a, a good segue uh, to our guest today, uh, Drew Lau. Drew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. So, Drew, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your career path and starting in product and how you ascended? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'll start with where I am now, and then we could kind of work backwards in time and go through, uh, you know, uh, the, the start of the career. But yeah, I'm currently at uh, a company called Salesforce. You might have heard of them. Um, you know, they're kind of kind of big. Uh, and so I'm currently a director of product management at Salesforce. Uh, I recently joined them about a year back as uh I used to run product at Mobify, a local Vancouver startup, and we got acquired about a year ago. Uh, and so I'm now part of a big corporation, which uh, like uh, Piali is, is a, yeah, kind of a big of a change compared to Startland. But sounds like we're all originally startup product people, which is awesome because uh, I think that's that's a good way to show how much you could learn in a startup environment. 
Uh, but also we could probably rip off of like how, how different it is in a big corporation environment versus startup mode and, and which one can help you advance in, in different ways. Uh, originally though, um, similar to all of you, I, was, uh, I wasn't you know, aiming to be a product manager. Um, I'm, I'm probably a classical accidental product manager. Uh, in a previous startup, uh, I was at another local startup called uh, Elastic Path. I've gone through kind of three different e-commerce companies now. Um, and so Elastic Path was, uh, I joined when I think it was, uh, uh, when it was about 20 people big as originally as a software engineer. Uh, and I was working on a lot of uh, e-commerce projects for um, you know, uh, a lot of, actually a few other local companies uh, that were working with Elastic Path on that. Um, eventually, um, I was doing a couple of big projects down in the Bay Area and, and in New York. And I just got so burnt out. Uh, it was like your typical startup where you kind of get death march to, 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 uh, to where you're just like no longer capable of functioning as a human being. Uh, and uh, lucky for me, my founders recognized that pretty, uh, pretty, pretty much uh, right away and said, like, you're, you're going to burn out. So uh, how about you come back to HQ? Uh, we'll get you off these projects. They're done now. Uh, good job. But um, uh, we probably suggest you try something different just to, to uh, round out your skill set and to uh, try to decompress from some fairly intensive projects. And so this was during our hockey stick kind of growth curve at the Atlastic Path. Uh, and so the founders, one of them is um, uh, was a VP of sales. And uh, he, he said, basically, hey, you know what? I could use you in sales. Uh, you don't have to be a salesperson because you know uh, that, that's probably a bit too weird for you. But if you want to be a sales engineer and, and help support the sales team as kind of a pre-sales technical person, I think it'd be a good thing for you because you can round out your skill set uh, and you could kind of get more exposed to customer-facing environments and, and what happens to try to match customer problems to, to product solutions. Uh, and so that was good. Uh, I ended up leading the pre-sales team for many years and, and just meeting a lot of amazing people uh, through uh, kind of being a big part of the sales and marketing machine. And eventually uh, I realized that um, it's good to kind of move to the front of the funnel and help grow a BB company by selling more projects. But at the same time, um, I could make a bigger impact if I could actually influence the roadmap of the company itself yeah. and work on defining what's the better problems to solve. So that led me to go back to product and join the product team uh, originally as, as, a, as a product architect. That didn't work out so well. Uh, apparently, I'm not very good at being product <laughs> architect, but I am pretty good at, uh, at accidentally becoming a product manager. So I ended up being uh, one of our product managers on the team, eventually uh, leading the product management team. And then uh, one day, a friend called me up at Mobify and said, hey, we need a product manager at, uh, at, at Mobify. At that point, I was a first-time people manager uh, at Elastic Bath, and um, I wasn't a very good people manager. I will admit that now. Uh, and I probably learned it the hard way of uh, how to be a product leader and product manager uh, and a people manager at the same time is really difficult. Uh, so at Mobify, I actually came back and just became like a, an IC product manager, which is a, a bit relieving uh, in that uh, I can focus on doing one thing, be a bit more heads down and see how I can have a, a bunch of direct impact. Um, that didn't last very long. Uh, our our, our co-founder ended up uh, taking off and joining Google. Uh, and then uh, the exec team said, hey, you know what? You're a new uh, VP of product. Uh, you're going to be a first time exec. Um, Good luck, <laughs> and, and then uh, and then that's how I become I became a product leader, kind of for the second time, and uh, it went much better the second round, uh, second time around, trying to lead a product management team and and grow a bunch of product managers. I I absolutely loved uh, the way you kind of explained your career, Drew, because you kind of like kept all of us grounded uh, in terms of like explaining our failures as well, because we don't necessarily talk about what we didn't do well uh, during our career. So absolutely love that you kind of touched the burnout part, which I think is, again, a very, very major issue for a lot of of us, but we don't really talk 
enough about it. So yeah, let's be honest. It's a hard job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a very hard job. Starting off or, or way up there. It's a hard job. It doesn't get easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So I think I think my question for you, Drew, would be um, that, for example, if a junior person like who just cracked their first product management job, uh, what advice would you give to him? Like how he or she kind of start building the skill set or where exactly they should focus? Because, you know, as a product manager, we uh, we have so so much things on our plate all the time that somehow we, we lose focus that what, what needs to be prioritized over some other stuff. So any advice on that? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be a, a classic product manager and be like, hey, we should focus less on, on like what skills I want to develop and be like, let's go focus on what outcomes we should expect for your personal career and your growth as a PM. Um, and and uh, I think generally I'm not too worried about people picking up the skills that they need, whether you know you have to get better at, at agile or get better at doing you know user interviews. Um, what I tend to look for of like is this person gonna really become a really good product manager? Comes down to something I learned from um, uh, Catherine Berry. Uh, she's the co-founder or former CPO of Allocadia. Uh, we've worked together a bit at Elastic Bath, and she's she's come back and shared a lot of knowledge with the product community over the years. And uh, I remember she gave one kind of focused talk at a Mobify one day where she just focused on saying, you know what, uh, the way I look for people who are going to make a big difference at, at the company at Allocadia was um, I want to see if people can be a change agent. Uh, can you instigate change and push through change and influence the company in a way that it just changes how the company operates? Uh, and I think that's the outcome I want to look for in seeing, seeing like, okay, you as a product manager starting off new at a new company, uh, can you build up your outcome to be like, be recognized and be seen as that change agent. Cause ultimately that's what product managers are. We, we can't directly ship software. We can't directly um, fix a bug or, or, or fix a problem uh, where we're trying to influence our peers and people we work with to go build a better product, arrive at a better outcome. And ultimately we're all change agents. We just maybe don't recognize it at times. And so I'm looking for like, can this person have the drive and the influence to go make that happen at the company and and if they if they're not quite there yet, cool. We can focus on how to build your skill sets around better decision making, uh, how to better build relationships, so you have influence over engineering and customer success and sales, and how to also make sure that um, you have the right drive to go do that. Because uh, you know, uh, again, you're going to run to a lot of blockers on the way. That's just the way it is as a new product manager. How do you break through those walls and how do you break through those barriers? Uh, is really kind of the three things I'm looking for. So decision-making drive uh, and, and influence are, are kind of the key, key criteria I'm looking to go grow product managers with and also value, uh, is this the right person to add to the team? Um, I love the topic of change management and product management. I think it's one of those underutilized skills because you deal with stakeholders all the time and it's not just presentation, it's all about collaboration with them as well. And like I mentioned earlier, being that diplomat, but you know what, um, just to expand on that idea of influence, like what do you think uh, a young product manager can do to influence others without actually having the authority or the experience. Uh, it can be really hard in those young roles to really feel like you've got a voice at the table, but do you have any advice for the listeners out there? Yeah, I, and I'll zoom out a little bit. Like, I think I think one of my favorite things I've learned from like, you know, various conferences and, and other product leaders talking about things is like, that's that's kind of product manager in a nutshell. Like, even if you're like super senior or junior, like you have all the responsibility, but none of the real actual power. Like you're always gonna be working through influence. Um, so I think about like uh, someone coming in there and like, maybe I don't have all the user experience where I get that natural influence uh, over people or I haven't been in a company long enough. Uh, what does that mean? Um, so from that point of view, like you're 
yeah, I would recommend a couple of things like for, for um, showing people that you are a good decision maker. Uh, and in this case, may not have as many years to draw on for experience. So what can you do around that? Um, from product management, it's a bit of an art and science. And I think the science side comes a bit natural to a lot more people in terms of like, how do I collect enough data to make a compelling argument? How do I get really good at data, a data analysis and analytics? How can I get really good at executing user interviews to go derive insights and synthesize insights with hopefully uh, pairing with someone from product design and user research uh, and using that as a way to make compelling arguments uh, and justification of why we should go do certain things. Um, and I think if you can back that up with a lot of data and get really good at that, it's hard for people to override that because the data kind of speaks for itself. Uh, and if you still get overridden, even though you've built to get a really good case based on data, then yeah, maybe the org isn't set up in a weird way and that's not fully your problem, but at least you can recognize that and that work together towards, uh, okay, well, how do we make sure this is more transparent in the way we make decisions? Um, the other thing I talked about before was influence. I think when you think about influence, um, how, how can you work closer with teams to make sure they all steer the right direction? Um, and this comes down for a lot of times down to just really good communication skills. Uh, and, and a lot of times they'll come down to like, can I build my skills around storytelling, around uh, being able to build and express a vision? Uh, how can I also use that uh, communication skills and uh, to kind of uh, get really good at go-to-market excellence and, and you know, be, uh, again, a change agent toward your marketing and sales peers and, and people that you're going to be working with a lot. Um, if you can show that you are really good at communication, you're, you're uh, really uh, good in front of customers and stakeholders, they'll want to bring you in more and more. So you kind of have to build that track record up front and just, you know, if you work on those kind of communication storytelling skill sets, um, that will come so natural to you as part of your, your growth as a PM and your kind of growth within the company itself. Yeah, I mean, um, and that's that's amazing because, you know, influencing without authority is like um, the part and parcel of being a product manager. You have to do it, do it like day in and day out, right? One, one thing that actually helped me a lot in this case was also like being very honest and transparent when you are communicating uh, because if you if you are uh, promising something that you know yeah. is not doable you know all th those kind of tricks uh, don't really go a long way so being very honest and uh, say say true to yourself that's also gonna um, help with that so uh, but Drew like you know since um there's a lot to learn for a new product manager in any company, be it a startup or a big company. So, so rejection is inevitable. Obviously, like when you join a company, it's not possible to succeed at everything that you do uh, like uh, on a daily basis, right? So what are some of your tips to deal with those reje rejections? For example, like if you take up maybe four projects, two of them don't really go well. How, like how can you kind of learn from that and move on? Any, any tips there? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. Um, and like we should be aiming to fail faster as product managers. And that, that should be like you're expected to a certain degree because, you know, if you propose, hey, we should work on this as far as the roadmap and here's the new strategy and it, it, you, you drag that on for three years and then it fails, like, okay, well, we probably didn't do the right research to indicate yeah. that earlier. And you've kind of now burned three hour, three years of, of actual development and, and energy. Uh, that That's going to definitely impact your influence on the rest of the company. So um, as a PM, we always talk about like, how can we do a lot of discovery up front so we can try to avoid those long-term failures by failing faster. So um, I think it's good to recognize that that is part of the role and therefore not to take it personally when, you know, uh, it, your product's not going, your product's not going the right way. 
uh, and and you should be open to being like, okay, let's go take an impersonal view of figure out why it's not going the right way. And if that means we have to adjust what we're doing, or we just have to admit we were doing the wrong thing. Here's the lessons we learned. Can we have a proper postmortem and move on? Uh, for me, um, and a lot of us, I think uh, you, you both worked at startups and you both probably got elevated to really good positions, probably because most of the time you were right. <laughs> but then you become a product manager and all of a sudden it's not about you being right. It's about you having the, the really the discipline to kind of make sure you prove that it's either right or wrong, or most often try to prove it wrong, <laughs> your hypothesis, so you actually go yeah. in the right direction. That's kind of a weird mental shift for people who end up being product managers, because before you just rely on your, your intelligence, your skill set to get there. In this case, though, that, that's you try to just know that I'm right all the time. It's going to be right, obviously, because I'm so smart. That, that's probably not going to be the best path. Uh, and for me, like what, what helped me for failure and being okay with failure actually was, I think, my stint in sales. If you're in sales, uh, and I keep recommending people to go into sales before you go into product management. Uh, never, nobody ever does. I don't know why, but uh, maybe I don't sell it very well. Uh, but you get you get told no so often in sales. You kind of get used to it, and you just know how to just okay turn the corner and just go 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 wake up the next day and be like okay you know that kind of hurt. Someone said no to me, but I'm okay with it. It's normal. I can move on. I could go find that next big thing to work on, and it's gonna be even better this time versus like you know someone saying no yesterday. So. Um, it's a natural part of the cycle and the faster you could do it, I think the better off you are from, from yeah. a mental health perspective, to be honest. <laughs> I love that. Uh, sales is definitely good emotional armor for that whole rejection cycle. Oh yeah. 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 It, uh, it's also a hard job, but for, for many different reasons, mainly because you're just rejected so often. <laughs> absolutely. Definitely another skill, uh, <laughs> worth trying to develop or find a way to it. Sure. I'm kind of curious about uh, your thoughts or experience in terms of specialization within products. So uh, we've mm -hmm. talked a little bit about just how diverse it is and how many different areas you need to expand into. But uh, could you highlight some of the the areas of product that you seem to develop over time, both in the past and now, and you know how these different types of product managers may differ? Yeah, I, and it, this is like I think where it differs quite a bit from other organizations. I'd love to hear your perspectives, given given all your experience as well. Um, and like for me, like similar to you both, I've mainly been in startups, so where it's like there, there's not really that many different roles. Like I do find uh, from product manager's point of view, if you come in there, um, you deviate a couple of ways. Like most people, just more and more generalist product managers. Like I can just you know go work on a certain product uh, at a certain stage of a product. But I think people tend to specialize on different kind of stages of the product lifecycle. Like definitely you, you can recognize people who have um, experience and skill sets for like early stage products where like you're just in that conception discovery phase. Other people are really good at, at um, getting it to that next growth stage and maturity level. Uh, and they, they definitely are different. Um, so look, I think that's probably one thing to recognize is like, where do my skill sets suit better? Am I more oriented like early stage growth and, and early stage experimentation? Uh, which case then, you know, I'm probably like more in tune with like uh, early funnel analytics and growth, uh, growth and product led growth and those types of models. Or am I better at uh, working closely with product marketing and, and sales and going from early stage, you know, a couple handful of customers to like, oh, we're going to blow this up and, you know, go into the thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of customers. Uh, very different model because in one model, you're working directly more with the data and seeing what happens. Other model is you're now trying to empower a large sales team or a large marketing to go do a bunch of that work for you. Uh, and, and that changes the way you work with people and how you influence them. So that's probably like one thing I, I tend to look at is like, where are you most comfortable? Where, where do you want to learn more about? Uh, and then from there, like you tend to then shift into like other parts of product. Um, 
you know, some people who love data end up being more part of like kind of data centric teams that are more platform related. I power data analytics for my entire team. And, and so I'm not as customer facing, but I love the data and working data scientists and data analysts so much that I kind of want to specialize on data side and just go, go crazy into that. Uh, other people end up being like more, I would say, um, uh, product marketing oriented. And I think that's, that's a common transition after all, you just kind of jump back and forth between product marketing, and product management. Uh, uh, and uh, that itself is probably an entire podcast just to talk about what the differences are. But um, I think if, if you do love that stage of where you're trying to take an early stage product and just exploding to growth, um, that might be a hint that you're actually really good at product marketing as well because you, you love that side of it. And so I think I see that as a common transition point for people uh, to go uh, recognize that, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I want to be more sales marketing oriented and positioning strategic oriented. Uh, and so, you know, I, I ended up becoming a product marketer for a while and then coming back or and just going b- between the two because that, that's a really healthy thing to kind of jump between that boundary a little bit. Um, beyond that, though, I'd love to hear like where, where you two have seen a lot of the roles uh, kind of shift around and where people adapt after a while, going from generalist to more specialist, because those are probably growth stages, data analytics, and, and kind of marketing positioning side are kind of the dimensions I tend to see most often. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Like, even though, you know, Microsoft is a big company, currently I am a PM for a fairly new product, which, which literally went GA last year like Mm. 2020. So I am kind of in that, you know, pre-sales product market area. So I've been closely working with product marketing team, the sales team, trying to kind of like, you know, blow this out, trying to reach more audience and more customers. So it's, it's definitely a very different feeling than being a PM of a, like a very mature product, like teams, for example, because they are solving a very different set of problems than what I am solving, because my goal is very different with like with a product that literally got launched last year. So yeah, yeah Blake, what do you think? Like, I, I agree with you on all accounts. Yeah, I think that distinguishing between sort of the startup culture of what a product manager has to do versus the the larger enterprise culture uh, varies quite a bit. Uh, obviously, in a startup, you're kind of doing it all. You're you're following from the inception point all the way through to launch, all the way through what growth might look like. So you're wearing all the hats. Uh, my experience in larger companies has been that like the role uh, gets really divided. So you may have uh, one team that'll be working on that discovery phase. You'll have delivery teams and roles like product owners or delivery managers kind of jump into the development phase. And then it may get handed off uh, for the actual like go to market or uh, launch phase. Um, sometimes there's a blend of all those things. I think product marketing is super fascinating because really uh, where that seems to be leading is also just in growth and strategy itself. Um, so like, is that still a product manager role or is that now getting divided? And I think it's a really big debate. I My theory, if I was uh, to kind of look into the future a little bit is, uh, product management isn't going to be what we know it to be today in 10 years time. It'll be subdivided in some way or another um, because I don't think it's actually manageable. We talked about burnout yeah. a little bit earlier. I don't think wearing all the hats is like the healthiest thing for somebody. Do you yeah. learn a lot and do you grow quickly in your career? Absolutely. Um, but I think uh, it'll yeah. start to change. I, I totally agree. And, and like, uh, and one of the other areas that I think uh, I see um, lending more with our role. And I think I'll be interested to see how both roles evolve is the product designer role. Uh, I work very closely with a bunch of product designers. Uh, they're amazing people. And uh, like they're picking up more and more of what was traditionally product management. And I'm totally okay with that because like, you know, I can't have the hours and they to actually do uh, all of that. And like, they are just as in tune or even more in tune with the users. And I find that the product designers actually are amazing product people. 
And I, I don't know how I survived without working closely with the product designer for my first stage of being a product manager. So um, I think that's that's where like I, I would love to see more product designers and product managers kind of or product designers kind of transition to product managers or kind of you know kind of be more of a dual role. I don't know. It's a, it's a complex one. Um, but definitely, I think uh, the role has to change over the next couple of years, as it should, because every role should evolve. Think about like product manager role, like, you know, what, 10, 15 years ago when I first started, um, you were kind of like the failed engineer and that's why you're a product manager, right? <laughs> you suck at coding, so you're just going to write requirements, okay? And just give us requirements. <laughs> uh, and that was like more product ownerish. And now it's not like, you're, nobody wants to be a product owner to that extent. You're, you want to be customer facing, you want to set roadmap, you want to set strategy. So that role has evolved in the last 10 years. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves next because you're right. Um, I find that most product managers have to find time to work a bit into the evening or in quiet times just to get stuff done because I don't know how many meetings per day you're in, but I looked at my Google calendars average of like, there's a new insights feature that says, you've been in meetings this much. I'm like, wow, that's that's kind of depressing. <laughs> True, yeah. Like our first episode of this season was with the product man, uh, designer. Uh, Leah, so that that was an amazing episode as well. Like we delved deep into, you know, exactly what you said, like how you can bring your skill sets from the design background and still contribute, you know, in the product management area. So I think I'm going to change the gear a little bit since, you know, our team um, and it's a product BC, uh, you know, um, initiative, this podcast. So, and uh, our goal of product BC is to build community, to help each other uh, to, you know, um, be stronger, provide support and, you know, provide all other resources that can help someone to uh, get going in the product management. So in terms of that uh, community and mentorship and helping each other, uh, I think we would love to know um, what, what, how does your career look like in terms of mentorship? Like, did you, did you have good mentors uh, where, um, you know, you um, learned a lot from, or are you mentoring anybody right now? Like what, what is your take uh, in, in mentorship in product? Yeah. I, and I think this has changed a lot in, in a positive sense over the last couple of years. When I first started in product management, again, like a good, like 10 years ago, plus, um, the role wasn't very as well defined uh, and the product community actually in Vancouver was a lot smaller. Um, and so I felt very much like on an island. Like I didn't know any other product managers really other than who was on my direct team. Uh, and so I had great, uh, you know, kind of coaching from my managers, uh, but also like a lot of them weren't like classic kind of product people. Like, you know, some came in from very different backgrounds. They haven't did product for a while. Um, so it's kind of hard to learn. Uh, I was super happy to find the product camp and product BC communities because uh, like there you found a community where you can really kind of have some group therapy sessions and learn f- how other companies do things. That to me was the hard part about starting Product Management uh, in, at, at a company local to Vancouver, but where most of my time was global in the sense that I never got to spend much time in Vancouver. I was always on the road and I never got to know, get to know other product managers. Um, so for the most part, I would say connect with the lo- local product scene go to the conferences when we can go back to them or go to the virtual ones uh, and uh, kind of build relations that way. Um, for me personally, I, I most of my mentorship and coaching comes a bit more ad hoc in terms of me getting mentorship. If you're in a bigger corporation, like you, you uh, like like uh, we are at Microsoft and Salesforce, you you kind of get mentorship kind of kind of kind of given to you in terms of like, here's a mentor you can spend time with. Yeah. Uh, you get to spend time with people from the rest of your org who are at a higher levels. Or you kind of get an external um, kind of mentorship program because uh, that's funded by these uh, wonderfully large corporations. Startup scene, 
much harder. You kind of have to go out and make the effort to go find that mentor, that coach. And that's kind of based on either pre-existing relationships. For me, a lot of my mentors and coaches in the past have been from people I've met during the sales cycle or project cycles in the industry. And there are executives at their companies I worked with as, as kind of a vendor. And they became well, lifelong people who would give me advice on the way uh, as, as I kind of evolved my career. So like, you know, those early stage of people you meet when you're in your early stage of career should become your mentors and coaches as you go, as you build those relationships. Uh, but uh, after a while, like I encourage anyone who's been to a certain level to give back. Um, I've now been on uh, in the product BC mentorship uh, rounds for the last two rounds as a mentor, uh, two rounds as a mentor. I think I, I spread them out a little bit because uh, uh, I, I kind of had kids in, in the middle and that kind of disrupted the flow a little bit. But um, I encourage the mentorship program, BC. It, it's pretty amazing, um, uh, especially as uh, someone who has a lot of imposter syndrome. Like, am I really that good as a product manager? Do I really know a lot? Once you mentor someone in product management, you kind of then realize I actually know quite a bit. And if I don't know anything about their domain, I still know enough to be able to kind of guide them through certain discussions and, and, and for them to realize, okay, I can arrive at solving my own problem that I'm seeing in my own company. Uh, and, and that to me is like the skill set you need is like less about like trying to solve their problems as a product manager, but um, trying to figure out how to steer them as a coach so that they kind of resolve their own problem. <laughs> and that was a hard thing I had to learn as a people manager. Uh, and uh, luckily I had uh, a wonderful uh, COO at Mobify who uh, just spent so much time with me learning to be a coach. Uh, and that is a hard skill set to learn, uh, but you can definitely become really good at coaching because there's programs to do that, there's circuits to do that, or you just becomes like, you just get really good at after you do it for like, you know, the 10th time. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think mentorship and coaching come hand in hand, uh, but it takes experience to do it. So you might as well just jump in and become a mentor if you're at a certain stage of your career. Uh, and if you're trying to find a coach, uh, yeah, it's all be, comes down to your network and your community. Um, or if you want, you could pay someone to do it, but you know, maybe you want to start with just knowing people first. <laughs> I think that's some great advice. Uh, definitely uh, for myself, uh, not having as much that uh, enterprise sort of larger company mentorship handed down to me, reaching out across uh, various networks, uh, trying to build better relationships with just other product folk that you find in the community and things like that really helped me kind of get excited. Um, which leads me to my last question for you, Drew. Uh, it's kind of a twofold question, but it's on the topic of inspiration. So I'm curious, uh, you know, where do you find inspiration in product, uh, either throughout your career or now? Uh, do you have any books that you draw inspiration from that you'd recommend to the audience? Yeah, uh, so uh, I think that's a two-faced question. So let's let's go with um, how do I find inspiration? Um, and, and I think this is a fairly classic product management uh, kind of approach. Um, one of the things, and it's it's probably slightly controversial and probably not fully truthful, but uh, one of my uh, VP of marketing that I learned a lot from uh, at a previous company, um, he always kept saying Nahito, where basically was nothing important happens in the office, which is not totally true. Like, you know, uh, you definitely respect that engineers are building a lot of awesome code in the office and, you know, your marketing peers are building awesome like, pitches and slide decks and all that stuff in the office. Uh, but, you know, that that is a bit of truth in that, in that... Um, if you don't go out of your office environment and meet people from other companies and then other walks of life, you're not going to get that diversity. That's going to go challenge you to think about it from a different worldview. And so like from a product management perspective, uh, even if you're uncomfortable doing that, you kind of have to go out there and meet other teams, other companies, other leaders, because you kind of want to see how they do product. And like, it's great that you see people like, you know, Basecamp, you know, publish shape up and other things like that where they show how they do it. Because uh, like not a lot of companies do that. And like, that's a good way to kind of compare and contrast what you do as a team and versus what other companies doing and see what kind of works for you. Then you can take that and kind of take inspiration, try to see how you can experiment with applying that to your day to day. 
So um, go find people like ideally even outside of Vancouver. Like, can you find someone who does product in the Bay Area or New York or over in London and see what's different in different centers uh, and at companies who are nothing like yours? You know, go find someone from biotech or B2C if you're a B2B product manager. And you can learn something from even if they have nothing that really overlaps with you. Uh, and once you find that inspiration, the hard part is trying to instigate change in your own company. Again, being that change agent. So you kind of have to find that ally to go down that path with you. And for me, like my, when I had gone through a bunch of those changes after being inspired by a bunch of different factors at Mobify, uh, my biggest ally was always our, our director of design and then the product, product design team. Um, they were super happy to engage and be like, okay, let's go do this together because it makes sense. We both got super excited about something we learned from ex- outside the company. And uh, it was much easier to do with an ally to go and instigate that change and try to steer it through yourself. Uh, and I think that answered that first part. Second question was like, where, which, which books I find inspiration from? So um, uh, part related to that one is, um, for me, I, I'm a pretty deep introvert. Uh, at least I was before I joined sales, then I had to kind of adapt. So uh, after a while, I had to become a bit of an adaptable introvert. So the book that helped me most about that was a book called Quiet. It's uh, by Suzanne Kane. And uh, it, it shows like, you know, uh, just like why people are introverts, why people are extroverts and how, how people adapt based on that. And so for product management, like a lot of it is meeting with customers, people, and so on. And for, for, uh, uh, for inspiration, it's just meeting other people. Like you can't really avoid it even if you are an introvert. And so I, I kind of had to force myself to be an adaptable introvert, even though I don't want to really talk to people to still do it because it's good for me in the long run. And so that book really helped me come to terms with that <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, trying to avoid people. Uh, and then as I got through it, uh, the books I always recommend as uh, things I keep rereading all the time, especially for new product managers is I'm um, inspired by Marty Kagan. I'm pretty sure we talk about it all the time, but for me, that's kind of the modern playbook, the product. And I always have to go back to that and just reread certain sections so I can kind of get reinvigorated again about what's so good about, you know, customer discovery programs and other things like that. Uh, and then uh, the other one I, I tend to talk about from a, a people management point of view is um, Andy Grove's high output management. Um, Andy Grove is just the amazing individual and just kind of seeing him write down his learnings from people management and leadership it is always a constant reminder because like I think the people management side, you just tend to drift away from it if you don't just fo- refocus on it. And so that's for me is always a good reminder of um, get excited about people management again. Uh, even though you, you touch on that on a day-to-day basis, you, you kind of need to get re-energized about it. Some really good books. Uh, yeah. I haven't read Quiet myself, but I think that might go on my holiday reading list here. Yeah, so it's a non-product book, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, well, I think that's it for our questions for today. Um, just wanted to invite you, Drew, uh, if you have any uh, last thoughts uh, for the audience today or if there's anything you'd like to plug. Yeah, so uh, if you followed our discussion, I think basically it's, um, you know, from us all being kind of startup nerds and just doing that, it, it's like kind of go out there and be really uncomfortable. Like that's that's how you grow the most, uh, especially as a new product manager. Um, you will feel a lot of imposter syndrome on the way. It's real, but you won't ever escape that as part of your career, no matter how 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 much experience you get. Uh, so that's how you know you're getting stretched in the right way. But make sure you get backed up by the right manager to recognize when you're getting that imposter syndrome and that they have your back. So you know that's that's probably the best thing you can do for yourself: challenge yourself, stretch yourself, but also make sure you have the right manager relationship to make sure they back you up there. Well, thanks very much, Drew. Um, Piali, any last thoughts from yourself or last no, question? I, I am actually like super, super energized by this discussion. Like this touched on so many levels. And just I think my what I'm taking away today is just keep learning because there is literally no end. And no matter at what stage we are in in our, in our career, there is always a scope to do better and learn more. 
So just reach out, make connections and learn from each other. That's what I learned. So thanks so much, Drew. It was wonderful. My pleasure. Thanks very much, Drew. Thank you for listening to today's episode on going above and beyond in product. And thank you to Drew Lau, who shared some incredible advice on building your product career by learning to become a change agent, handling rejection, and networking with other product people at different companies to find inspiration. Please consider subscribing to the podcast. And if you have any feedback, you can find more information on how to contact us at podcast.productbc.ca. Podcast BC was made in collaboration with the volunteers behind Product BC. Product BC members share an active community Slack server for networking, a yearly mentorship program, and a stream of exciting events and speakers. Please consider joining if you're not already signed up. This is Podcast BC.